If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Sherry Bep Peprocki. How are you? Hi, Carissa. Great. How about you? Wonderful. Sherry is a solopreneur, part of that growing class of creative contributors who are earning six figures or more in their entrepreneurial careers. A career coach and author of Freelance Fancy, your guide to capturing spiritual health, wealth, and happiness. And we love that on the Zen Success Show. We are all about (laughs) abundance in all areas. So that's amazing. Wonderful. And happiness. Yes. Sherry is also the past president of the American Society of Journalists and Authors, the largest group of independent nonfiction writers globally. Welcome, Sherry. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me on your show today, too. You're welcome. Yeah, so I just want to explore a little bit about being a freelancer. Do you feel that our economy is shifting to this gig economy? I mean, do you feel like there's been a shift um, since COVID with people talking about the great resignation? (laughs) There is a shift, Carissa. Absolutely. The the great resignation has happened. Quiet quitting has happened, right? And I I really think because of my sort of skill set, my expertise through several decades, the people are quiet quitting because they've taken on side gigs, right? So they're gigging on the side of their real remote job. But anyway, I think that COVID really brought us to a point where we are evaluating what has become the traditional American workplace. And with the number, sheer, you know, people who have quit their jobs in the last year with different types of jobs that are opening and the opportunities, especially in creative gigging. And by creative gigging, I mean photography, I mean creating content, writing, uh, design work. Those are some of the gigs that when constructed and put together into, it's no longer a work day, right? It's a work style that you can create a work style that better accommodates what your family needs might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So do you think there is a shift because people had to, or they had other interests and maybe their freelance or their side gig started making more money and they like, oh my gosh, I want to do this instead. So like maybe their passion, they started like getting in touch with their passion. Do you think that could be part of it? I think you're onto something there that there that COVID created a quiet in our lives, which we have not ever had. I think in this country, we've been working at a frenetic pace for many, many years. 
And what COVID did was gave us space to really think about who we are and how we want to be true to ourselves. I'm at the point in my career where I have written the book, Freelance Fancy, in part because it was a journey, Carissa. It took me many years to get to the point where I could be reflective on what I really needed in my life balance, (laughs) for one, a, a sense of feeling passion about work. And I think during these quiet periods of time, and, you know, people who are parents, active parenting during this period of time, it required everyone to look inward and try to solve that problem, that challenge of how do I create a life that better, a work life that better wraps into the rest of my life. Mm. Yeah. And, and also I'm wondering about, I have some corporate clients and I know with COVID they, they had unfortunately like layoffs and, and some companies have massive layoffs. And so I'm wondering if people also a sense of security with a quote job is maybe leaving and, and maybe people are realizing the security is within as creators. What do you think about that? I agree with you on that, you know, especially this fall when we've seen so many big tech companies start doing yes. massive layouts and it's just not tech either. Oh, of course CNN not. just did them. Gannett just yeah. did them. You know, they just keep coming. Right. And these are all smart people who are now getting squeezed out of what we would call a cor- corporate traditional workplace. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people call for- it like the golden handcuffs, you know, like, okay. Absolutely. You know, like right. Right? Yeah. But I think people are exploring those other options that are out there and gigging being one of those options. If they have creative abilities, consulting abilities, sales abilities, there are, there are opportunities right now that will allow you to design your own corporate job even. Mm, that's amazing. I love that. And, and maybe corporations are kind of looking to consultants more as a way to bring in innovation and creativity to the company. I think that's true. And I would be, I'm a big proponent of the consulting, right? Of the way I coach people whenever they want to go independent out of a corporate or a small business, even kind of environment is take what you love about the job, package it together into what could look like a contracted role or a consulting role, and make a proposal to your employer about, I can do these marketing tasks on my own. Then you walk away as your own business person and you add other gigs that you really want to be doing to it makes more room in your life you get rid of all of those meetings that have been piled in and piled on. You get rid of uh, the of having to take on responsibilities that you never signed up for whenever you took the job. Mm, so, yeah. you know, we're seeing that in the workplace where, pe- where as jobs are cut, people get piled on. They have mm-hmm. to take on other job responsibilities that they really don't want to have to deal with or don't feel like their skill set is well suited for. 
Mm, that's really interesting. And I wonder if that um, issue is causing extra stress in those people because <clears throat> the corporations, they're just trying to figure it out and streamline everything and cut costs. And then all of a sudden, all this work gets piled on to one person, whereas maybe six people were doing that job before and they're just stressed and they're getting hurt or whatever it might be. You know, you're, you're, you're so you're right on this. That is so true because it's not just happened once or twice. Some people are now doing some of the jobs of four different people whose jobs have been cut. Right. And I've seen this up close in a particular news division that I've uh, consulted with through the Mm -hmm. years. And so as they are, as they're having to take on more roles, they're looking at what else should I be doing out there? Right. Meanwhile, they're watching the Wall Street issue, right? Some of these corporate positions are affiliated with Wall Street. We're trying to create more revenue for investors, and we're watching the salaries up close of CEOs. And that becomes an issue for the worker who feels overburdened. And in that balance, you know, back to that internal balance of mm-hmm. passion and understanding your own sort of spiritual being, that balance has to be looked at because you can't keep taking on more without it having some sort of negative repercussions in your own life. Mm, Yeah. And do you think, I know you touched on this before, just COVID in general, but since everybody got shifted to the home office, did, do you think some people thought about, huh, maybe I can work from home full-time doing my own business? I think so. I think once we got past the first few months of adjustment of people who were shifting to home offices, I've had a home office for many years. So, you know, I sort of sat back and watched Mm. with humor some of the issues that people were grappling with. And now, you know, a year or two into it, people started recognizing, oh, I have an hour more in my day because there's no commute. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, I don't have to do everything I thought I had to do every morning before I left for that commute. Now I have two hours in my day. Oh, I can run out for coffee at any point during the day and take a little quick break. I don't have to sit and stare at my computer screen if I'm remote. I think people began seeing all of the advantages. And I do think they began appreciating those advantages. I think families began enjoying being together again. I think parents were able to see, and I have grandchildren, Carissa, small, very young grandchildren, Uh, I think parents, uh, it's wonderful, but I do think that parents were able to experience the real joy once that hecticness of life was removed, the real joy of watching children as they grow up. And and this may be part of the reluctance to go back to the workplace. <laughs> that we're seeing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we see that in the news, right? Right, right. Like Absolutely. People not coming in on Fridays or something. Did you right. You know, this idea yeah. of the hybrid workplace, right? right. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that never works. Let me... <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you how that never works. <laughs> okay, let's let I'm very fascinated with your opinion because you're an expert in this of 
of hybrid. So some of my clients and the corporate clients, I have individual clients as well, but the corporate, they are doing two days a week, mostly, and then three days at home. Or there are individuals that are only from home based on the department. So, okay. So since you kind of like touched on this, let's go into it. What is your opinion about hybrid? Okay. So when hybrid was introduced as this is how we solve this, right? We hang on to the office buildings. <laughs> Wait, it's not solved yet, but right, you know, we, right. we ask people to come in two days a week or whatever that schedule looks like. Here's what happens. People have to leave their work, their place of work, which is now at home. They have to, whether they're packing up their laptop and a briefcase and taking it into the office, there's this spatial readjustment that's occurring. They're getting into the office. They're happy to see their other coworkers in person. And so now we're spending time catching up, right? Because you can actually see them, feel them, touch them, see their expressions more, that sort of thing. People perhaps are more relaxed when they get into the office. But what this results in is really a loss of real productivity time. I can see that. There's like a maybe transition of people just adjusting. Right. It it is that transition. And in many contractual positions I've done through the years, I have been asked by publishing companies, for example, come into the office one day a week, we'll have our meetings, do a little work, and then go about your business. Come back the next, you know, Wednesday and do it. Well, you know what that really results in is no real productivity getting done <laughs> on Wednesdays because Oops. you're traveling, you're there, yeah. you're having fun, you're, you're, the you meetings. have your meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's an hour meeting and you have now lost a whole work day. And so that sort of forced hybrid environment, I keep waiting for the CEOs in the country to figure out that productivity is down. And there's a reason for that. Wow, that is fascinating. It's like you totally nailed it because you've lived it. And and I have too, by the way. Um, but it's it's just it's been a long time since I've been like on right. site multiple days a week as a contractor, you know, but I did have a job before. Um, and I really I had a job. I'll just talk a little bit about my history to being a freelancer. I had a job and it had a 980 schedule. You know, where you have every other Friday off. And I really like that. And I really liked the job. Actually, it was for a space and space company. And um, yeah, and it was they they were very supportive of what I was doing. It gave me employees, huge budget department to run. And and then I started feeling uh, confined, like like I wanted to spread my wings a little bit more. And so I started a business. I talked to one of the vendors and I was like, oh, do you think I should start something, you know, just on Fridays I'm available. And so I did, I just like, he's like, yeah, just do it. And, and so I did, I made business cards and, and then I, my first client was a hospital. And then eventually 
I started making more money as a freelancer because of like, you don't have to take out as much as taxes. <laughs> There's a lot of benefits right. to that too, right? Lots of benefits. Yeah. And so that's how I did it. I was actually working and then I did it on the side. And then eventually people saw me taking calls for other business and they told on me. <laughs> and then my, <laughs> yeah, my manager, he took me out to breakfast and he's like, we love you but you can't have this business on the side. And so, and I just knew in my heart, I was like, okay, it's time for me to go. So I said goodbye. And then, you know, what you talked about before about like putting together a proposal, I actually did that, but I guess their legal team, they were going to do it, but then their legal team said there was some clause or something that I couldn't consult for a year. And then by that time, they already needed somebody. So it didn't necessarily work out for me, but I really love that idea for people, you know, to put a proposal for your company. Right. And and you're right about that. I think it's a workers protection issue that the legal departments right now, I know there are several corporations like this, they will not allow you to go right from employee to consulting because so in the past, so many corporations took advantage of workers. You you actually, as a corporation, could cut your costs in a pretty drastic way by just moving somebody over to consulting. consulting. So it's supposed to protect the workers, I see. It really is. It really is. But it does prevent you from being able to move over. And especially those people with corporate legal departments seem to, that's the big catch in that. If you're working for a business that has under 250 employees, you might not run into that. So, um, I see. but I do, and you know, Carissa, I, through my career, because you work with some clients, right? And they'll say, we want you to go full time with us. And I've done that at least three times. <clears throat> and they always agree, oh, yes, keep your freelance clients, no problem. <laughs> And so I no, do, they don't mean and it. So I do, you know, you don't want to give that up. And yeah. so therefore what's happened is my freelance work has ramped up every time, every time. It's something about the energy of work oh. that you just love work so much more of it comes to you. Yeah. And I have always chosen to go back to my own business based on those experiences. And what you're talking about that sort of, feeling of suffocation when you're in a full-time position. It's true. You can feel it start creeping up on you. You begin looking around that you need the out, you need the little, you know what else is out there. And for those of us like you and I, it's it's like the good life, right? We're in charge of our lives. We can work anytime we want to. And sometimes we do work day and night, but that's okay because we're choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we might take a vacation in Mexico in the middle of the week. <laughs> so we have to work right. at night. Absolutely. <laughs> or like all day one day and then nothing the rest of the week. Yeah. So we can right. choose. And I, I know this this lifestyle of the gig economy or being a freelancer isn't for everyone. So who what type of personality do you think would fit best for a freelancer? So, you know, I I think the creative personality, first of all, really knows how to work for work in that realm. 
If you're someone who has more ideas than you have time in your day to pursue them, then you're going to be fine. I I kind of have always teased my mother that in my world, there is no such thing of being out, no such thing as being out of work. There is always plenty of work. So you know, true. you're never out of work. It's, yeah, it's what you choose and turning. Yeah. You have to be, have the ability to run your own business. And that means you're your, your tech chief, your CEO, your CFO, and you're in the weeds sometimes too. Now, when you begin scaling a business, you know, you bring in other people who can help you. And that's very beneficial, but that's probably down the road from just your basic gig freelance juggle career. You have to like the juggle. You have to be able to compartmentalize, do one job in the morning, take the break for lunch and know what you need to do in the afternoon for the next client or the next piece of that job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you made that distinction too, because there, there is also, I, I feel like there's a whole other category uh, because we are entrepreneurs, of course, but the, but the people that like start a company and then they go out for financing and they're a startup and then they hire people. It's definitely, I feel like it's a, a different personality as well. What do you think? I think that that's a different personality and it, you know, <laughs> and you may have had this experience, right? It depends on what you want to be entangled with, because the more people you add to a business, if you employ them as your own company, then you become mired in the the government regulations and the paperwork and the taxes yeah. and the pensions and, you know, whatever you want to offer that employee. So I I I think that there's a fine line between working with other contractors. That's my favorite way to really mm-hmm be able to take on more strategy type jobs is hiring the photographers, the designers, the other writers that I can work with and forming teams wrapped around each of my clients and what their needs are. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. And, and I do that too, in my business, I hire contractors, but I still use like a payroll service to, to make sure that I'm like in compliance What what, whatever I need to do. But um, yeah, there's a lot of ways to automate that now, which is great. So I was curious about your own journey. How long have you been a freelancer? So it's been almost four decades since I launched into my freelance business. And that really started because, you know, even in college, I had a professor who was a freelance graphic designer and she kind of, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. She she was teaching a little basic design course that I took. And that really opened a door for me to see what somebody's lifestyle was. 10, 20 years later, I realized someday she probably had just wiped away the little bit of spit up from the baby off of her shoulder, you know, because you're juggling so much with childcare. And she had young children at that time, but she'd show up in class all put together. And I like the way that worked. And I have spent some time teaching too. You can diversify what you're doing. So when I launched into freelance, it really was because my son was three years old and I could not imagine my husband and I trying to make our lives more difficult 
because we were required to both be outside the home from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. It just, We were both journalists to start with. It just felt a little ridiculous to me that if I could work at any hour of the day, why I would be confined to having those work hours. And so first did you have he, a job before? I did have a job before. Okay. Yes, I, I, I worked full time for a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, for more than one newspaper. Uh, in the beginning, there were two. And then I really kind of saw the ropes. Okay. I, I saw how it could work. I saw, so my first major client as a freelancer was a newspaper's advertising department doing all of their special sections. So like if the local schools one did a special section, I would work with the schools and create that. But it was contract. I wasn't required to be there on site the whole time. So meetings, all of my writing, all of my editing could be pocketed in different parts of the day. And that's the way I worked that. Then eventually I get away from even that model, which required about 20 hours a week, and just juggled a lot of different clients, magazine assignments, the Chicago Tribune, um, and other bigger newspapers, uh, Preservation Magazine, for example. Now, what we journalists sort of know that if you want to be a full-time writer for just journalistic institutions, you're going to have a difficult time making enough money where it makes sense. So I, like many other freelance writers, have intertwined corporate writing, corporate clients, small business clients. I say sometimes I write books with big personalities, people who need ghost writers. Wow, um, that's amazing. Yes, that's yes. quite a diverse, yeah, array of offerings. Yeah. Diverse, very diverse. Carissa, there was a point, I think, <laughs> in 2015 that I and some other freelancers put together enough ideas that I put it together in a book called 50 Ways to Sell Your Story, or 50 Ways to Tell Your Story, sorry, uh, as a content marketing book, because there are just many different ways and buckets that you can work in as a creative Wow. Okay. So let's go back. I kind of derailed you a little bit from that story of your son. That was so sweet when he was three and and you and your husband kind of had a talk about maybe being with your son more or one of you. Yeah. Let me, let me show you how that sort of shaped up. So I, um, we both were out of college My husband had, we were hired by the same newspaper and that newspaper said, and we said, we don't want to both work at the same time. That newspaper said, fine. And they offered me the full-time employment of being a health education writer. They offered my husband a contract of being an arts and business writer. So he immediately went freelance. So I was working from about 8 a.m. until 3 or 3.30 p.m. And then he had the rest of the day to create his freelance work around that. Well, interestingly, that lasted until our son was about three and a half. And at that point, we were moving to a larger newspaper. Savannah, Georgia is where we moved after that. And uh, we reevaluated the situation 
he was ready to really plunge into that full-time position. I really wanted to pull away and be at home more with Justin. And so that's how we did the switch. We we didn't go from two full-time people. We went from, we're working it this way. Now we're going to work it that way. Justin was in preschool by then. That get, that opened up three to four hours during a work day that I could work. Uh, not so many late nights anymore for either one of us. And that was very helpful. Uh, six years later, after Justin was born, we had our daughter. And so I call that 12 out or 12 years of elementary school schedules. And so I just, I think became very good at that juggle of my workday availability and what needed to run over into evenings or weekends. Mm. And so and there how, were weekends. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So do you feel that that decision was one of the best decisions you've made in your life? I feel like that decision was uh, meant to be the decision I made in my life. Yes, it was one of the best decisions because I've always found that, um, you know, children are too uh, special for us to just leave them out there for anything, you know, for anyone to watch. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always exciting when you're watching a newborn or, or you know, various scenarios there. But I also found in the parenting realm that having the ability to be at that elementary and drop the kids off and pick them up at 3.30, which I did for some years, allowed me to connect with other parents in a way that became so important once they went to middle school and high school, because then you know families, then you know people and who has similar values and ethics to your own family. And, you know, we were in the size of town that many of those same parents went from one school to the next school together as groups. So those bonds that you form with other parents, that that's the community that really lifts and raises your child and uh, and and has the place for your child in the world where they need to be. It's a good launching pad. So when I say that my work um, was meant to be that way, I think that's why. I think that gets to the soul of why it was meant to be. And Carissa, something very interesting happened. Our kids were were unmarried and childless for a good 10 years, you know, doing their 20s. And that was a lot of fun. And then grandchildren came, not just one, but within 14 months, a second one. And these were bouncing between my two children. Uh, and we now have four under the age of five. And I am thrilled that I can close up my work, fly to another state and be the grandparent on duty for three or four hours during a day and still run my business because, you know, I'm used to that flexibility. It's not I don't panic if I don't have a morning available. Lots of people take off mornings for PTO time, if nothing else, right? What I do is do the best that I can to keep up with the workflow, do additional work in the evening during that time, but having the the availability that I can do that for now my grandchildren is such a blessing. I just consider that one of the greatest blessings in my life. 
Oh, that's amazing. You're giving me so much to think about. I'm a mom, I have two kids and just how I can be there for them because, well, um, my husband works from home, so he actually okay. has a lot of flexibility in his job. So he's full-time at home. So it's almost like he has a freelance job. So I think a lot of employers are, yes. um, supporting more of a freelance, uh, lifestyle for their employees. And it, and it really brings him a lot of balance and joy. He, he can go pick up our son or I can do it or whatever, but we transitioned this year to homeschooling my daughter. And, okay. and so, and she's in various classes and things, but I can do that because, uh, you know, we both work because of the flexibility, right? Yeah. That's so valuable. And I think too, you know, something that we haven't mentioned that plays into this, I think the current, um, CEO, perhaps, the current manager understands better that importance mm. of giving that, yeah. that if your employee's happy in their home life, then the employee will be happy in their work life. That wasn't always the case generationally in this country, but we've now hit a point where there's plenty of space for everyone to practice good business and good family life. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. So, I mean, we touched on some of the benefits. What do you think are all the benefits of freelancing? Well, the benefits are that total flexibility, Carissa. Another benefit is choosing the people and the projects you want to work on and work with, okay? Um, because you don't get to do that in full-time employment, but in freelance you can choose whether you like to work with that person or that particular client or not. Uh, another possibility or another advantage, big advantage is if you want to take off two months in the summer and three weeks in December and early January, you have the ability to do that by communicating well with your clients, them understanding your needs, and oftentimes, if you have good clients who love your work, they're going to work around what your schedule is, too. Uh, also, and I learned this early on, perhaps from the doctors and dentists I was dealing with, is you don't have to be available 24-7. You know, you don't have to be available every morning at 9 a.m. You call your own hours. You set up your own schedule. That's the joy of it. And many of us who work independent know that it's very helpful, uh, let's say between 4 and 5 p.m., that you're looking at your schedule for the next day and you're understanding your goals and your priorities. Because the last thing you want to do is get to your desk and start uh, scrolling through social media, right? That's a huge <laughs> I know. Not that any of us ever do that. No, 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 no. Of course not. No, I actually realized I was doing it, but it took me a movie to realize that social dilemma. Yes. <laughs> but I was like wasting my time. So I'm much more productive now. Yeah. Yeah. So the, right. yeah, I appreciate that insight. And then do you feel like, I know we're both pro freelance, obviously. Are there any mm. negatives? Negatives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are any negatives. Let, me, let me just 
trying to think of one. No, absolutely. You know, it's what we said when we first kicked this off, that you can work any time of the day. And sometimes you will work any time of the day in the night yeah. to hit a deadline. You work so that might be sometimes. one of the negatives. Yeah, yes, I do yes. We, yeah. Those of us who do this have a pretty good work ethic, right? And we have some goals of our own. Uh, and our client goals, and we will do what it takes to make it all work. Mm -hmm. So I would say sometimes we're a bit hard on ourselves, and we may not take as much care of ourselves. uh, And we need to really look at that self-care piece and make sure that we're being kind to ourselves. Chris, I just released, you know, this book is about my 12th book that I've ever written. Congratulations. I started working with a consultant on this book, more for the marketing and the release of it a year ago, uh, a year before it came out, actually. And what I, one of the most valuable pieces of advice was everything doesn't always have to be perfect. And I don't consider myself a perfectionist. You know, if you've been in the world of journalism, you have to fact check, fact check, fact check. There are always ways to make mistakes, sort of have a comma instead of a period that shows up in print and oh my gosh. So we are the most detailed, you know, searching for the truth and the fact as you can get. So to have a a book consultant say, everything doesn't always have to be perfect. You can always go back and fix it. After you publish a book, you can go back, freshen it up and relaunch it. And that's true. And He also recognized that many authors have that perfection thing Mm -hmm. about them Mm -hmm. that they don't want to let go of something that's really personal. And in my case, this is my career memoir. This talks a lot about my personal situation. And so it was a little harder to release than having a publisher behind me saying, this is your deadline, get it done and have it perfect. Yeah. So it was was very helpful advice that sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves. That's amazing. So what made you want to write this book? Did you get a little push, a little nudge? (laughs) I got a nudge because I was on an air. Absolutely. I was on an airplane. Uh, It was after I had finished the presidency of, or at the end of my presidency of the American Society of Journalists and Authors. I had spoken to a different association group in New York. I hopped on a flight from uh, New York, LaGuardia, down to Naples, Florida, where my family was gathering, uh, Ray and the kids and their spouses, uh, to celebrate a big birthday of mine, sort of this landmark birthday. And I don't, I'm not one who has to have a birthday party every year, but this was a big deal. And so I was flying by myself and I hopped on the flight and I thought, it feels like I've hit the end of something here. And I realized it was associated, The my presidency ended like six days after that birthday. So it was associated with the end of the ASJ presidency. And I started outlining a book that then took three years to actually take form and write. And memoirs are often that way because you're you're seeing patterns in yourself as the mm-hmm. words are spilling onto the page. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I was also by by that point, I had one grandson. Uh, I wanted to create a better voice by the time I was reviewing the draft. I had two grandsons 
And I started speaking to them as though they were 23 and 24 years old in a way that they, I could inform them what my career path had been. And then the granddaughters came, right? So um, I realized at some point there was a lot of advice in this book for any freelancer mm -hmm. or anyone who wanted to look at gigging. I had put it away uh, probably around early 2019 and thought I probably won't publish it. COVID had happened and I was working on another project and literally I stepped out of the shower one day and there was a voice that said, remember that book that you slid into the drawer? I had it printed out, it was in the drawer. It's time to put it out there. And I realized in, in polishing it up and shaping it just a bit more, the message here was wrapping your career around your family. And that's why those words had to come out during the time that I released it in on January 3rd, 2022. Um, so it was time that the book said enough incubation out with it. And it was during that time too, that I, that I started working with a consultant to uh, perhaps get the courage up. That's really what it resulted in. You know, I get a lot of great marketing tips, but it built my courage to put my work life out there. So even though I still have clients, I still do work. This is the book that's meant for anyone who wants to put together that gig career. And this is the book that's meant for now my four grandchildren when they want to figure out what the heck I did and why, you know, I worked in San Antonio at some point and Austin at another point and just had all these various work experiences. Oh, that's wonderful. And how has the book been received? You know, um, I had integrated, it's been well received. First, I, I'm going to say that it, it immediately soared to the top of a couple of Amazon categories the day it was launched. And, you know, whenever I say that, I don't take the credit, the personal credit for it as much as the fact, the wisdom that somebody suggested I interview other writers. You know, keep in mind, I'd just been president of a writer's organization. I thought <laughs> that's a ridiculous idea <laughs> because I didn't want to call writers and interview them. And the writers I know can write really well. So I decided to integrate nine or 10 different stories from writers who I personally oh, know. Beautiful. And I asked them and paid them to write four or 500 words about certain points in their career. So that scattered throughout my book are words of wisdom, I say, from other writers who had have really important advice and experiences to share too. No one turned me down. They were all thrilled to work on the book. And when it was ready to release, one of the huge blessings was they all they all don't know each other either. They just kind of circled around. And there we were on January 3rd when we were all just trying to enter 2022. But a group doing a lot of social media, a lot of celebrating, a lot of pushing it out there. And I would say that's probably one of the keys to the book's success because it was kind of everywhere that day. We had a lot of orders. Uh, it was late in the day. I wasn't even thinking about Amazon. It was late in the day when I checked and I realized how close we were to topping out a few categories, which we did then by by 
you know, then I was tied to the laptop right until 10 o'clock the next that night when we did. Yeah. Wow. That's such a joy. That's a, that's so exciting. I love that whole process. And how did you get to be president of the American Society of Journalists and Authors? Oh, you know, being president of a national association takes a long period of time because you enter first, I was uh, conference chairs back in 2008, 2009. Uh, and then I became publications chair for, for the group. And then I was asked to serve on the board. And so I went on to the board. I let go. I've always served on boards of local organizations. I let go of a few of those in the process uh, and and realized this was going to be a bigger commitment with a national organization. And that allowed me, that really gave me the time to develop more ties with the writers across the board. Uh, Eventually, after being on the board two to three years, I was asked to become vice president. Then you know that most presidents stay two years. So then you're committed for, as vice president, you're into it for two years, and then your presidency is going to last one or two years. So then you're looking down the road at four years, right, of sitting sort of at the top of the organization. When I wrote the book, 50 Ways to Tell Your Story, that was during my vice presidency. And in part, even though there's some volunteer work there, uh, there's also these sort of vacuum periods where you're not making this, the final decision. You're not the touch point. And so that really freed up some time for me to be able to to go ahead and produce that book, which I attributed to the organization. It was that group of writers that had come together in Chicago that gave me the idea to do this. And um, And then I was president for two years, and then I was actually first past president for two years. So you you begin feeling like the board service is never ending, but lots of great friendships, lots of good fun during that time. And you should only do it if you can have fun with it. That's all. That's all I'd recommend to anyone. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So what are some of the ways uh, that our audience can become their own boss and enter the gig economy? So I, if, if, if people in the audience are really uh, driven and you know in your heart you need to do this, Carissa, I witnessed a conversation between a couple at a restaurant. She obviously obviously need, knew she needed to go a gig route and she couldn't get her husband's tie in. <laughs> she, he couldn't support her during that conversation. They got up kind of angry with each other. If you know in your heart you can make this work, then what you need to do is look at your numbers and say, how much do I need to earn in one month? And what is the potential of being able to earn that? So let's say your your share of the income or your income needs to be $5,000 a month. Then you need to look at some continuing gigs, not just a magazine article, and that makes you you know sustainable. You need to look at ways that you can sustain this by having maybe one client who pays you $1,000 a month to write one article a month for that publication. And and then you put together five clients, or maybe it's just three clients that can help you do that. Or maybe it's three clients and you take a teaching gig because you also like to educate. 
And, and I did that for almost 20 years at a local college. I was an adjunct in a journalism profession uh, mm. department. And that really, it provided some benefits, some research benefits within the college that were very helpful. And in addition, it got me away from this solitude of just writing every day. Mm. Get up in the morning, be in class at eight, be finished by 10 and back at work by 11. That was the sort of routine that I would follow three days a week whenever I did that. So so find the gigs that you can fit together like a puzzle piece to meet your minimum income qualifications and then add sprinkle in the goodness, the fun pieces, the essays you want to write, whatever your passion projects are that you still need to fulfill beyond that. That's mm-hmm. the easiest way, I think, to go about it. Be very realistic that we all need some sort of income. And I've never been in that situation in my life that I wasn't responsible for part of the household income. Mm, Yeah. 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 And that's amazing. You're, you were able to make it work. So you're a model for everyone. It's wonderful. Thanks, Carissa. And uh, what is Zen success to you? Zen success to me is a day where you can feel fulfilled with the work you've accomplished and fulfilled with a contentedness that you're ending your day without anxiety, without much anxiety, without uh, feeling like the people you love in your life have been left untouched. Um. And that, I think, goes a long way because we take a lot for granted of our families. And I think if we can wrap ourselves around family, around friends, and around career in equal portions, then we're happier human beings. Amazing. I love that definition. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and hearing about your best-selling book, Freelance Fancy, your guide to capturing spiritual health, wealth, and happiness. So I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. So thanks for being on my show today. Thanks so much, Carissa. I appreciate it. Great talking with you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.